It's the never-ending podcast. The never-ending podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the never-ending podcast. I am always your host, Sean Holt. And with me, as always, from California, although uh, only originally now in London. I don't get it from. She gets like a WWE hailing from California. Elizabeth Guterbach. Yes, it's me. And I would love to be part of the Wrestling Federation. But uh, yeah. As it is known, the Wrestling Federation. It's a, it's a, it sounds like a Star Trek thing. <laughs> uh, it definitely is. If I could combine those two worlds as well, I'd be super happy. <laughs> Just like a race of people who are wrestlers all the time. Yeah. They're like on their ship, all of them just in their underpants. I mean, technically, that's the Klingons, maybe. I feel like physique-wise. Is that mean? No, all, all of a sudden, I'm, I, uh, I made a Star Trek reference, then I realized how out of my depth I am because I've <laughs> seen only the new movies, and that's my entire point of reference for Star Trek. I'm sorry. We, we probably just lost half of our listeners right there. Oh, my God. What have we done? But you know what? I will say, like, I have really enjoyed the new Star Trek movies. I really, really have. Because I was a Next Generation fan, uh, mostly because it was on after school and my mom let me watch it. And she would always talk about how Patrick Stewart was a Shakespearean actor. And I think Uh, it gave me a weird thing for bald dudes. (laughs) But yeah. I saw... saw... Matlock. Oh, nice. Yeah, see, Matlock I watched some of. Matt, Matlock's my Star Trek. I want, to, I want to see the new Matlock movies with Chris Pine. Uh, oh, that's what my I want. God. I, really, <laughs> I would love it if they made Matlock. Oh, oh, can I please be in the remake of Matlock, the Matlock reboot? Can you, <laughs> who are going to be the fans for the Matlock reboot? It's like my mom and me. And <laughs> that's it. Uh, I wanted to so follow the same parallels. Like I wanted to be a sexy Matlock reboot with like Beastie Boys in the uh, in, like sabotage is in the trailers for the Matlock reboot. Oh my god, that would be so great! I'm so on board. Okay, if anyone out there has the power to make a Matlock reboot happen, oh, sign me up. I mean, look, they've remade Magnum PI. Have they? I didn't even know that they did that. Yeah, it's a new TV show. They remade that. They've remade Miami Vice as a TV show, I think. And, they they you know, made a movie with it with with uh, oh, they made a movie. Okay. Jamie Fox and Russell Crowe. Was it Russell Crowe? Was Russell Crowe ever oh. thin enough to be? <laughs> I think it was. Was it? Fit into a crawl space. Sorry, that's very mean. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. Are there are there even crawl spaces? <laughs> I don't know what Miami Vice you watched. Look, there's a lot of sketchy crawl spaces in Miami Vice. John Johnson needed to find out what was in people's crawl spaces. That's it's, what Miami Vice is about, right? I've watched it. Yeah, it's the whole reason he rolls up the sleeves of his jacket is because he's always in those <laughs> crawl spaces. He's got to protect them. <laughs> I was watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine yesterday and Jake Peralta was being like, yeah, I want to be like Don Johnson. And he had to go in somewhere uh, and he was like, crap, I haven't greased up my forearms. So, uh, yeah, that's the level. Uh, This is why you're thinking crawl space. I think so. Maybe. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway, Matlock reboot, totally on board. Yeah. If anyone knows Chris Pine, 
pitch it to, I, I would really like Chris Pine to be Matlock. He feels like. <laughs> but then he's supposed to be like an old Southern dude. <laughs> Put some age makeup on Chris Pine. <laughs> no, I want it to just be like topless, sexy Chris Pine, but being Matt, like, I want the exact same scripts as it used to be, but current Chris Pine in those <laughs> scripts. Ben Matlock is suddenly this like sex god. <laughs> we we should probably talk about a about never ending story too. I think that, that's a good idea because we're you know we're we're getting along. Um, there's so much juice in this movie. You so know everything. So much juice. The juicy yeah. guy. If you squeeze this movie, you could get a good. You could get six cups. At you least. could get a morning's blender full. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Of or orange juice, and you could put some eggs in it and have yourself a <laughs> juicy breakfast. You know, you really could. Uh, but yeah, the way we're you know we're we're making our way through in these lovely ten minute chunks. Where where are we now, Sean? Well, we're we've we've now uh, this is the official. We've just crossed the halfway point. The movie is like almost exactly a hundred minutes long. Uh, which is great for this podcast, which is why I feel like they made it 100 minutes. So thank you very much, you guys. 10 episodes, it's perfect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're now to, uh, we're going to be talking about ep- uh, minutes 50 to 60. So this is where we're starting at uh, Atreyu and Falcor have met uh, Ed- Endiwok. Angiwok and Urgul. Eng- Angiwook and Urgel. I should know so, pretty common names. Well, but you know what, po- podcast listeners? I think you'll note if you've listened to previous episodes, perhaps Sean and I haven't been, I would say <laughs> mainly me, I have not been up on who anyone is uh, in their real life actor names or their fictional names. Well, I, uh, I, I have been calling Teeny Weeny Tiny uh, all but one time. <laughs> one time I've got it right, I believe, this entire uh podcast otherwise it's been tiny it is in fact teeny weeny yeah i mean and then we're also calling boobies bazooms so you know we're all over the place but we're just gonna own it but yeah i haven't i I still haven't settled in my mind on how i'm saying falcor whether i'm saying it with a c or a k (laughs) just like you can't tell if i'm saying sean or sean yeah i never know i never know if you're saying which one it is i could be saying you're like seen bean or, you know, yeah. Like so, another one. I can't even think yeah. of a famous Sean with one year. Uh, scene Connery. Yeah, they're all scenes. All the famous ones are scenes. They're all scenes. But no one's ever really seen them. Have the, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I'm really I, sorry. I think, I right. think the, the closest to W Sean gets to famous is Sean um, Ashton. He played Iceman in uh, the X-Men movies. Oh, right. I do, yeah. I'm almost certainly getting that name wrong. We just talked about getting names wrong. Know, and then we're just I just. Gonna, look, we're going to carry on as we started. That's totally, totally fine. Although we will change. Commitment now, to quality. I, I found out that Nighthob's real name is Vushvazul, which right. just rolls right off the tongue. He looks like a Vushvazul. And he really does. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We need to talk about, so yeah, they're at the, the Southern Oracle. I know we need to talk about that, but you mentioned 10 minute 
you know how it feels like this goes in perfect 10 minute chunks mm -hmm. but what, something i learned that may be common knowledge amongst our listeners is that steven spielberg is the one who edited this uh the the american version of the film yeah, see, and, I didn't know this at all. Like, that's a because this is when did this come out? 19, 1984. So this is like Spielberg at his height. This is like Raiders of the Lost Ark, ET. Yeah. So it's it's crazy that he's just like, hey, I'll just edit this weird little German film. Well, so he was given the film to edit, and I guess uh, the article that I found says that he didn't just like look at it and then kind of send it along. He really looked at what would work for an American audience, which he thought meant like moving some scenes around. And then uh, what the article says is editing out a touch of profanity, which I don't know where there would be cursing in this, but we'll come yeah. to a very, uh, shall we say, voluptuous point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, And he removed seven minutes of video and dialogue, which I don't know what that is. But seven minutes seems pretty, pretty significant. But yeah, but Spielberg, he basically just like, um, he boosted the, uh, it, what the article says is that he wanted to boost the pace of the, uh, of the movie to make it play better for the audience. I should say this, the article that I'm referencing is uh, from screenrant.com and it's just like behind the scenes trivia just to credit my mm. source. But I think... Um, it's really interesting to think about how everything about American film is a lot pacier than, yeah. you know, and, and American audiences are seem to be people cater to the action that we seem to require. Um, you got to you dumb, dumb it down for Americans. Uh, <laughs> Cut out that seven minutes of swearing. <laughs> but, in, in the eighties, yeah. especially, they used to do that with every like uh, Super Mario Two. Um, that the original Super Mario Two, the Japanese were like, Americans can't do this. This is too hard for them. Right. Uh, so yeah. they sent out that other one that was based on with Doku Doku Panic or whatever, just reskinned. Right. Um, and then they later released it because I was like. I'm Canadian, uh, so people think a little bit higher of us. <laughs> Don't quite edit as much, but they edit a little. But we we still got the the other Super Mario, and I was I was always like, oh, I could beat that. Um, and then I played it, and I was like, no, they were right. The Japanese were right. We can't do this. We can't do this. Well, it's interesting because uh, uh, Wolfgang Peterson uh, directed Neverending Story, which I also only recently learned out. I was looking through his film history. And he also directed Das Boot, which is, if anybody doesn't it's know... It's a movie about one boot. That's it's correct. A, someone singular, loses a boot. A singular boot. And it is a young man's quest to find it using a luck dragon, as it would have it. Uh, no, uh, Das Boot is a, it's a World War II film all about a U German U-boat. Um, and it's filmically one of the most incredible and sad things I've ever seen. But like, it was also before Never Ending Story, it was the most expensive German film ever made. So, oh, okay. so Peterson kind of has that in his like history and lexicon. But my point I was getting to is when they, when they uh, released Das Boot in the U S they released both a German language version with subtitles 
and a dubbed version. And they thought that the dubbed version would be the one that did better, but mm-hmm. it was the subtitled one that did mm-hmm. better. So yeah, I guess meaning wise, it, people, I think they run on the assumption, like the Americans aren't going to want to read and <laughs> look what? Oh, but in this case, they actually did. Although in fair, my dad does say that. Uh, because I watch a lot of foreign films and my dad's always, I don't want to read my movies. Dude, uh, that is that. not his voice. Cause my dad's actually British. But, so I don't know why I gave him that voice. Like, he doesn't sound like Oscar the Grouch. No, my dad's actually more like, what's all this then? Hey, Sean, what's all this? It's more <laughs> my dad's evil. voice. <laughs> like Ray Winston. who's had a little bit of a stroke. Sorry. That's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to say. Oh no, we gotta edit that out too. Uh, I'm not doing very uh, well. Uh, I'm so great. sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> he does listen to this as well, so he's gonna. Oh no! <laughs> That's so awful. Oh no. <laughs> So sorry, and I don't even know your dad's name either. So I'm just calling you Sean's dad. Yep. Oh, and we're God. just gonna leave it at that too. I'm a terrible person. Oh my God. Let's please talk about <laughs> the movie. <laughs> well, I was I was actually looking at Wolfgang Peterson's other films too, because I think this is kind of interesting. Um, because Never Ending Stories really is only kids' movie. Like you look at yeah. the rest of his list and it's mostly action, like in the line of fire, yeah. outbreak, Air Force One. Oh, such a great movie. Outbreak, yeah. Uh, oh, Perfect Storm. Yeah, great movies. Troy, which is when we will stop saying Your that it's a great movie. Not, that is not a great movie. <laughs> and the Poseidon remake that I think had Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas in it, if I'm not mistaken. And you know it's a masterpiece. I'm sorry, Fergie. I'm sorry. Just think- sorry about Sean's dad I'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the remake of uh I mean his his history I I'll tell you like I don't I know I sound like I'm overblowing a little bit but I remember watching Das Boot as part of like a a film history course that I kind of like put myself through it was when when Netflix first came out and I was like right I'm gonna do like a little film history course and I watched from Metropolis and onward. Oh yeah, Metropolis is so great. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, but Das Boot was one of those ones where it's so atmospheric um, and so tragic, but so um, so beautiful at the same time. And it's interesting to see in the never ending stories, like in, in, the, in the sad, moments there is something really visceral about it like i would say rock biter is most visceral there are certain things where i guess i'm surprised that he would direct this movie but there's something of the darkness i guess that he was able to capture capture and i think you kind of said he that wolfgang peterson is maybe a big old grouch about it is that what you said uh michael ende the writer of oh, it yeah. hates ah. it um, I, I, I don't know how Wolfgang Peterson feels, but I, I do think, I think you're right that part of the reason that this movie works and a lot of 80s movies worked well for the same reason is that because Wolfgang Peterson's like an adult director, he's mm. bringing that sensibility to it. So it's not... <laughs> Instead of all those child directors running around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how a lot of the movies at the time. 
We're directed by eight and nine-year-olds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Caddyshack, clearly directed by a child. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton of child directors. It's actually the same directors as now that we have now. Uh, they were just all like five to ten at the time directing directing those films but no he, he's, he brings his adult sensibility to it that i think a lot of the movies of the 80s like secret of nim and like legend yeah. and like dark crystal and they all had this like they didn't pander to kids right and this one mostly doesn't um whenever bastion is on screen uh, but most of the time it doesn't really well where are we 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 are let's let we we should we should get to talking about the actual <laughs> 10 minutes of this episode. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we we are at um I think we we cheated a little bit last time and we talked a little bit about um Atreyu going up in the basket to the telescope, but we're at yeah. the telescope now. So the telescope's yeah. really at like uh for anyone at home who's watching along with these, I know that it's at 51 minutes. But yeah. uh, so we're going to start at 51-ish minutes. Um, so yeah. they're up and they are looking at the telescope at the, at, at the first gate of the Southern Oracle. Right. And Book is, is looking down. Uh, I just wanted to say his name correctly. That's mainly why I said mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well done. Well yeah, said. They, they, they look down. I mean, I, I, I can't remember exactly what Book says to, to him about, oh, it's, he, he tells them about like, he, they kind of talk about all the other people who've approached the the the, the first gate, right? Yeah, yeah. And Angiwook says, um, "Until someone who doesn't feel his own worth tries to pass by." So, if you don't feel your own worth, then the eyes—which is a weird way of saying this—but yeah. uh, the eyes of the Sphinx will open up and zap you with lasers, and you'll die. Right. So basically. Now- you yeah. just have to be confident to walk through. Right. Be confident, which we'll talk about. But he, um, when apparently, <laughs> this is why we were talking about all this. Michael, Michael Ende did not approve of the Sphinxes in the film. Can you guess why, Sean? Hmm, belly buttons, probably. The most yeah. private part on any not- person. Yeah, didn't like the fact they were showing belly buttons. Yeah, so, they yeah. really got some some nipples, some real noticeable nipples. The most enormous memories are on this set of sphinxes. And I yeah. do mean <laughs> it's like, wow. Really. We said, look, in our in, in the in the last episode, we said we were gonna talk about bazooms. And there are a lot of bazooms to talk about. Yeah, uh, four. Michael, I mean, the writer of this book just really hated it. Really hated the Sphinxes. Um, didn't understand why they needed to be so sexual. And well, I'm they're, sure they've really the- got some boobs, and those <laughs> boobs really have some nipples. It's weird it's- that they went with nipples too, though. Like that they yeah. were like, let's just go all out. I wonder if they like they shopped it out and then they had them built. And they had because they really built the the big things. Like it's not like it's CGI'd or anything. They've right. actually got the statues, and which they reuse then for the third. They're like the we we can't afford just, extra ones. Um, like, look, we look. Our nipple budget has run out. Uh, we we just have to reuse these, right? Well, how yeah. much did it cost 
to build the nipples. Well, we can't tell you, but it was too much. We can't. There's a reason. We got to use them. The reason this the reason this movie went over budget is because of the nipples. Is nipples? Sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But yeah, I think they they just got them and were like, well, I guess that's that. I guess we gotta. But Germany, they don't worry about that stuff as much. Like, I don't know if you've ever been, have, been to Rotterdam. Well, about any because Rotterdam, like Rotterdam's most famous thing. Uh, oh no, Rotterdam's in Netherlands. What a jerk! I'm confusing <laughs> countries. Forget oh, it. Yet again, North Americans attempting geography. <laughs> That's great. Netherlands, <laughs> Germany. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, they, I, I didn't jump in to correct you, okay? Let's just say that. So, yeah. They have like, a oh. butt plug gnome at any rate, though. Rotterdam's got a butt plug gnome, which is what I <laughs> yes. wanted to talk about. Correct, um, always. Yes. Yeah, but we won't talk about their butt plug gnome then. Uh, no, so if you're interested, look it up. It's worth it. Well, Europeans, I, I would say my first experience of seeing... Uh, boobs on TV in the daytime was the first time I ever came to France. Um, and mm. I remember checked into the hotel room and turned on the TV and there were just boobs. It was like, whoa. I, yeah. So I think it's, it's, they're more lax about, uh, well, also you have to remember in the eighties, like this was the big, uh, um, there was a huge rise in uh, like conservative uh, viewpoints, shall we say, like sex and drugs. There was a huge claim. Yeah, they, 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 this is right when they were trying to put the uh, right when they started to put the parent parental advisory things yeah, onto albums. Exactly. I believe led by uh, Tipper T- Gore. Tipper Gore. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What a what a what a woman jerk. <laughs> Well, I mean, come on, man. Like, your husband is okay with uh, you know, doing things. I don't know. Let's not get into that. But basically, yeah, that was that was that big clampdown. So I wonder what Spielberg had to cut out of it. And it's surprising that the boobies made it into the movie. But again, Spielberg probably looked at the nipple budget and was like, I can't cut this out yeah. because they spent so much money on it. And cinematically, it does work. So we're going to leave it in. There was really, there's nothing that they could have done about it at the time, though, because it's such an no, important part of the film. Such an important part of the film, yeah. And they really didn't have the, like, the tech even to, like, now you're going to raise nipples right and left. But in 1984, you just, you had the nipples that God gave you. That was that. You just <laughs> had the nipples that were on the screen. <laughs> I um, mean, I just wonder if this was actually Germany's attempt to educate the United States on the Sphinx breast. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time that I knew about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did a good job. My goodness. So Atreyu, and and also I might add, neither Engiwook nor Atreyu are. Atreyu. Sorry. No, no. I'm screwing up. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, Neither one of them are very, uh, they're, they're pretty nonplussed about boobs. That's not the part that they focus on. So they're better men than you and I, Sean. Yeah, well, Atreyu, really, he barely wears a shirt. I, <laughs> I feel like it's, his people... It's free, it's true. Yeah, yeah, I feel like his people are very clothing-optional people. Like, he would have grown up around this sort of world. Yeah, so very body-positive. That makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I love... To Bastion's credit, body-positive, too. He makes no mention of it. It's great. 
Yeah, yeah, he doesn't talk about it. That is true. Yeah, and he gets freaked out by most things. So yeah, he does. So yeah, I love the telescope too. I love it's uh, it's powered by Erlenmeyer flasks with various colored liquids in them. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's got like twelve. Um, they're not all Erlenmeyer, but it's the only name of a flask that I know when I wanted to say. Clever. I mean, how many times have you been in the workplace and someone's like, name flasks, go. Mm -hmm. Go now. Erlenmeyer, graduated cylinder. Uh, Oh, oh, he's away. All right. That's it. And I'm done. That's it. That's all he's got. (laughs) And I I couldn't draw the second one for you. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, Sean, you, yeah. What can I say? I'm. I would be disappointed, but I don't think I could name any flasks. So yeah, but they've yeah. they've got like twelve of them with different colored liquids, and uh, somehow they power it. But I, I I like the visual of it a lot, and and then he I, I like that he says someone who doesn't feel his own worth. So it's just like you've got to know how rad you are. Like what a weird thing to be the first test to go through that you just have to be super confident. You got to be like, yeah. I'm the best. Have, having self, having self belief, but I think it's, but I think what's interesting is that it's about self belief. Not, I think there's a difference between self belief and ego, right? Which is kind of what we see when the knights do approach. You know, right? Because he's super he has, shiny, beautiful, brand new armor. armor. He's got very fancy horse you know he's got all the outward displays of confidence of greatness but mm-hmm. it's actually what's inside and it is the simple warrior with no weapons who has self-belief i suppose although um, when so when uh, when a trade does go through um yeah. he only believes in himself for like a second and then That's he right. he really gets through just because he's quick yeah, so he starts to go it. through and then he realizes he doesn't really believe in himself and the eyes open and he just like dives through the laser. So he doesn't totally pass the test. Not really. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I wonder if the, the first night who we see get killed um, actually just got distracted by the mammaries. <laughs> I bet that's really it's it's the true test. Is, I mean, uh, look. If you're staring up at a pair of hot mans, you're gonna, <laughs> you're hot, gonna. <laughs> hot mans. Oh, hot mans coming through. <laughs> That's what I say when I walk into a club. Is that a hot mans coming through? <laughs> who, who ordered two hot mams? <laughs> well, you're getting four with these sphinxes, am I right? Oh, no. Hot mans. Um, <laughs> But I just wonder uh, if that's part of the distraction technique. I don't think Atreyu lost his self-belief because of the man's. I think he lost it because he, yeah. Well, he has some intrinsic doubt because that's kind of what happened to him in the Songs of Sadness as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an ongoing thing with him. Well, with everyone. With us all. Would any of us make it through that gate? Uh, let's be honest. But he makes it through by the skin of his teeth uh, because yeah. as Sean, because he's quick. Then he gets it, to the next part. Now, what I don't remember, how much did Angie Wick explain about 
what the next it's like he he doesn't know what happens past the first game because no one's ever made it through through, so. so all he ever sees is people get blown up um in the book there's a whole big chunk and i don't think it's really in the movie as much but where angie wook is like uh like, I'll help you, but please, can you promise once you've seen the gates, come back and tell me what are the other gates? Yeah. Because he yeah. he knows that there's gates. He's obviously, he's a scholar of this, and I don't know where he got his information from. Um, but all, all he can tell him, I think he tells him there's three gates, and this is the first one, but no one's ever made it past, cool. so he has no idea what the... Oh, maybe he does tell him what the second... Right, he tells him that the second one is seeing your true self. Yeah, I totally forget everything I just said. Yeah, uh, no, but that's what I thought it was, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember. Uh, but that, yeah, where you see your true self, you have to face. It's like something about facing yourself. Right, and no one's ever made it to the third gate. Um, so no one's ever made it past the second one, where wise men learn that they're stupid and brave men learn that they're cowards and um, all of this stuff. Uh, right. Because I guess you would have to think positively of yourself to get through the first gate. So it wouldn't be like, I'm a jerk. And then you get to the second one, like, oh no, I'm actually super nice. It's weird. <laughs> and then you get through. It's weird this sort of level of depth that I'm attributing to this because I'm really wrestling with the idea of like confidence and self-belief, worthiness, you know, all of those things that we kind of face, like are what what are we worthy of? What are we deserving of? kind of thing and Atreya is having to face this but I guess well maybe as we'll see that's what that's what uh, Fantasia is facing mm -hmm. oh. well I was thinking about that actually because Gamork, Gamork is the secondary he's like the evil version of Atreyu, I guess or like yeah Gamork, kind of he's he's the character foil yeah he's he's working on behalf of the nothing to sort of kill Atreyu and he has his purpose and it's evil and Atreyu has his purpose and it's good but we yeah I guess we see our hero kind of wrestling with all these things and I guess we see Bastion wrestling with it too well and the, the whole thing is about um is really about like belief right uh kind of it's like the belief in stories and uh like imagination versus not yeah. imagination kind of thing yeah. Uh, is yeah. kind of the the purpose of the whole movie. Although this part's not really about. Uh, th this is kind of your your true self, which almost feels like not imagination. I don't know. I, I think well, we're. I wonder if that's why Michael Endy didn't didn't like it that much, is because it was it's such a complex idea to put forth. I don't know if that came across in the book. Like no, it, it very much is. It's actually um, the differences between the movie and the book aren't that great. Like. Uh, other than the the huge difference is that the movie stops halfway through the book, which is a pretty enormous difference. That's a huge difference, yeah. It is, yeah. Some would say that missing half of the entire story uh, <laughs> would be a big difference. But if, if you take the first half of the book that the movie covers and the first half, uh, it's... Uh, other than, like, taking out the one who is many spider... And then some other bits, um, like the winds, which they kind of have in anyway. It's yeah. not huge, the differences. Uh, but we, we get to the, to the second mirror, um, yeah. which is seeing your true self. So he sees Bastion through the mirror. And Bastion, 
kind of sees him and they're kind of overlaid one on top of the other. Um, and then they freak out and Bastion uh, super freaks out and throws the book and uh, he just throws it across the room and is like, this is going too far. And he, this is, we've skipped over the, one of Bastion's lines when, is, is this, this is the be confident part, right? When he goes through the first oracle. Right. Or the, the, the first gate. And he's like, be confident. And everybody's saying that. And then we see the blue boobies and then we're in front of the mirror. They see each other, but you just, what a, I mean, as if in this moment, that's the moment that Bastion is finally like, yeah, it's too much. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, and it's just such a such a strange, like, this is going too far. Like, he's telling <laughs> off the book, and he's, uh, he's really angry about it, because he chucks it, and he's got, like, this real, like, almost that uh, Luke Skywalker gopher face. You know, oh, he does yeah. in Empire right before he loses his hand. Yep. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I know uh, the moment. It's like it's not true. That's yeah. impossible. It's like yeah, you know the voice I'm talking about, the one that everyone makes fun of. <laughs> it is that. It is that gopher face. Yeah. Yeah, he does that <laughs> face, and then he chucks the book, um, which lasts like his anger lasts less than a second. Three seconds. Yeah. He immediately he's is fine, but he like, chucks the book. Yeah, this is going too far. Uh, and he really freaks out about it. Uh, and it's a... Uh, it's but then we don't see... We see Atreyu kind of be like, what is this? Right? Yeah, Atreyu's also like, oh. Yeah, but he doesn't really react. Well, he doesn't have a book to throw, I guess. So we don't see the same reaction. It's the only reason. Had he oh, had yeah. a book. Had he had a book he would have thrown it across the room and said, this is too much, but he did it. He was mm-hmm. surrounded. No. It's the and only reason. You know, it always used to make me so, I was like, why wouldn't they give him something to cover himself up? Uh, he's just standing there in the snow. It must be really cold. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause he walks through the, the blizzard. It's immediately a blizzard after you get yeah. through the first gate. Um, that yeah. he can, but it's like a real short blizzard. It's like a 20 it's foot really blizzard. Short. And then all of a sudden, luckily, it sort of clears up right as it gets to the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then sees himself. Uh, and yeah, because Atreyu's like a little freaked out. But yeah. then he's like, yeah, okay, and walks through. Right. You walks through the mirror, yeah. Gosh, I forget what happens after that. So uh, Bastion just goes back to reading the book. Yeah, well, the, 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 this is the end of our 60 Minutes, is Bastion God. chucks the book and freaks out. Um, and that's right at the 60 minute mark is that he yells the, this is going too far. And oh, throws that book across. Uh, well, he does not across the room. He's bashing. He's very weak. He throws it like three. <laughs> he throws it into one of the mannequins or the random wolf head. I love, and also he's been in the school by himself for so long now. Yeah, it's it's been a while that he's because this is a pretty long book. Like it would take <laughs> me a couple of days 
of uh, nonstop reading to read this book. I also noticed uh, how much Bastion's reading and my reading are similar because Bastion reads this book. He's distracted every 10 minutes. Like every 10 minutes he gets up and does something or shuts a window or opens a window or turns on a light or turns off a light or something. Unlike for you, if you shut or open a window, you really risk having another host come in. Yes. Yeah. As we've established. As we've established. So it's really dangerous for you to do that. You will get distracted. My Mm -hmm. God. But I, I, I definitely uh, uh, understand how Bastion reads because it's very much, it's very much my reading style of I'll read half a and chapter and then I've got to have get a sandwich. And, yeah. I got to, yeah. Eat one bite of a sandwich, um, save it save just slowly. later mm-hmm. and, and talk to yourself in a really annoying way. For how old <laughs> he is though. He's, what is he like 11? Yeah. Something like that. We've also discussed his age and we don't remember what conclusion we came to. <laughs> no. But that's good. Okay. <laughs> At 11, I'd probably read 19 books. And one of those was the Adventures in Babysitting uh, <gasps> uh, adaptation of the film. One oh, of those man. was uh, Sylvester Stallone's biography. And all the rest <laughs> of them were uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. Your taste is so impeccable (laughs) oh my god that's just incredible um so oh and i should say you know last time we were talking about um morla and and sort of top movie sneezes right of all time yeah well on a uh on some lists morla is pretty high up there she's number two are there movies. lists of top movie there sneezes? There are lists of top movie sneezes, just in case anyone wanted oh. to look. <laughs> what is the number one movie sneeze? From uh, um, Kevin Smith's uh, from Dogma. But uh, it's like a seven minute long clip. Also on there is a clip from Angry Birds. So I'm not sure about the validity of this list. I I've... found it via IMDb. And I think... We need to probably rectify uh, this with our own movie list of... of yeah, of, top of, sneezes. I'll have to was, watch Dogma again because I don't remember. Uh, you think I would either. remember there being an important sneeze. Well, of course. Well, just like I was trying to jog my memory and some of my favorite sneezes are actually, I thought of the fake sneezes that uh, Harrison Forrest, Ford does in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when he's playing the Scottish, the fake Scottish uh, Lord. Right. Uh, yep. They're actually really bad sneezes, which is why I remember them. But I would rate that in my top uh, top five, at least. Wow. Morla's are more satisfying, though. Yeah. Oh, Morla's is. Yeah, I, I can't think of a better sneeze. I'll have to rewatch Dogma to see, but. Yeah, yeah. I'd say number one. You can find the clip. Uh, it's like a seven minute long clip. Okay, of just movie sneezes. uh, Dogma, which is why I didn't watch it, but yeah. Yeah, who's got seven minutes? Who's got seven minutes? I like that we were just talking about how they had to cut it down for American. (laughs) (laughs) And now we see exactly why. Seven minutes is an absurdly long amount of time. (laughs) That is the perfect full circle. (laughs) for a better conclusion to this episode. Seven minutes! That's so long! Let's get Spielberg in here to cut down this sneeze clip. Make it a more Americanized four and a half. 
simple, short. <laughs> Cut oh, out any right. of the sexy sneezes. Yeah, get them out of there. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. That's so, uh, yeah, so ne- next episode, we're going to see what happens when Atreyu gets to the third gate. Uh, and what happens after that, which, uh, P.S., might involve riding Falcor. Ooh. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fist pumping uh, next episode. Mostly from me and Sean. Uh, yeah. uh, so thanks, you guys, so much for listening again, and uh, come back next time. Thanks, dudes. We'll see you later.